Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the match that we'll be getting stuck into this week is 2012's End of Watch versus 1971's Dirty Harry. Dare I ask how you're doing today, Keenan? Low energy. Low energy. I mean, we spoke last week about uh, the Fairweather podcasters jumping on for good fellas. Nowhere to be seen today. Oh no, I'm out here doing 10 hour, 10 hour shifts, walking <laughs> straight through the door. And I'm about to bang on the podcast. Putting in that work. More work. Knees are absolutely killing. I don't know, if, don't know if, if this is this cold coming on. What kind of work have you been doing? I don't know. Not a lot of physical stuff. <laughs> on your knees. Now and the knees are absolutely broken. <laughs> that brass work, um, hard life. <laughs> anyway. Two films to get into this week. This is as part of our police slash prison section of the crime genre. End of Watch. Shot documentary style. This film follows mm-hmm. the daily grind of the two young police officers in LA who are partners and friends. And what happens when they meet criminal forces greater than themselves. You had seen this before, hadn't you? Seen this a, I'd seen this a couple of times, mate. Oh, blimey. Um, Did you? Yeah, I'd seen it before, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of dreading watching it, which we'll get into a bit later. Um, mm. Critics' reviews, what are you expecting here? Um, I don't know. Probably. Oh, sorry, I don't know if they'll like... It's the filming of it. The actual yeah, story. Yeah, the found footage. I mean, performance is awesome. Um, but I don't, I'm just stuck on whether they'll like the... Well, you yeah. say the fan footage or not. Let's, let's be positive and let's so, say they'll, they'll, they'll like it. There are countless buddy cop action movies, but this one really is a bit different. Capturing the stress and tension of the job detail, as well as the emotional toll on the officers, the line between audience and actor is blurred as the camera alternates between their perspective and that of the audience. I gave you two reviews there. So the first one ended after this one is a bit different. <laughs> um, oh. Um, buddy cop as well. Yeah. I understand the phrases because there's two of them, but that just doesn't seem doesn't well. You don't really apply that to this, do you? No, I've got a bit of something on that actually because I do think it's interesting. Um, one that did catch me. So uh, I'm still wondering who we're supposed to assume was holding the camera during Jill and Hall and Andy Kendrick's sex scene. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Pena just <laughs> hidden in the cupboard. Well, or if it's anything like his little post-credit scene, maybe he's under the bed. Exactly. There hasn't been a whole lot of found footage worth finding in the films made over the past several years, but writer-director David Ayer snaps that streak with this unexpectedly magnificent police drama. <laughs> I normally don't like this, because that's just quite a nice line, actually. Yeah, I- I thought it was quite fair as well, because we did have a phase, probably post-Cloverfield, where you got so much of this. I quite liked... Went away for a little while, didn't it? Yeah, Blair, I quite liked Chronicle. I don't know if you saw that. It... 
Did you see Chronicle? No. So me and Sean saw that as part of a famous triple header at the cinema. But I remember us thinking that was really good. And then it was kind of rash for a while, the whole uh, found footage. Like a knife in the eye, End of Watch cuts past the cliches of standard police procedurals. That knife in the eye. So dark. Wildly unnecessary. (laughs) I'd forgotten it happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah, not great. For a second, I couldn't quite work out what it was. And then he turns to the side and it's like, blimey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, Gyllenhaal and Peña so completely reinvent themselves in character. Instead of wearing the roles like costumes or uniforms, they let the jobs seep into their skin. It's fair to say they liked it. Mm-hmm. 7.6 this has on IMDb, which is quite unheard no. of for this type of film. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, Not too much trivia, but I'll uh, take you through it as always. So, as part of their training, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena spent five months doing 12-hour ride-alongs with on-duty LAPD officers. During Gyllenhaal's first ride-along, he witnessed a murder. Jesus Christ. Just went full training day. That's that's just fucking horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't put him off either. Still came back the next day. I'm out. I'll return the check. <laughs> well, there's a scene in this which was so unlike the whole rest of the film for me. And it's right after your man's got a knife in the eye and that woman's been beaten black and blue. And then they're weirdly all just kind of cracking up next to the police car. Like, well, if she couldn't take that, she was never going to make it anyway. Like just being beaten by a twenty stone bloke is supposed to be. That's just part of the job. Yeah, I hate that. Like as though he's just walk it off. Yeah, and the police chief's like, "Oh well, look, you got what you wanted. I don't think he's going to be coming back." Yeah, some harsh, some harsh critics. In yeah. <laughs> um, most of the crude banter between Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena was improvised by the two. I know you love a bit of improvisation. Yeah. Um. It works in this. We'll get to the chemistry a bit later, but it does work in this. Yeah. Uh, The scene near the end of the movie where Mike and Brian are in pursuit of a silver minivan and then crash into it, um, that crash actually wasn't scripted. Michael Peña, who was driving the car at that time, just crashed into it by accident. They'd done something to the brakes, which helps with the filming, and uh, he wasn't aware. (laughs) So yeah, ploughed into the back of that, and they left it in because they thought it showed kind of how in the moment. So it made the brakes not work? When so you it, say how to the filming, they cut the brakes? No, yeah. I, I had an explanation and it didn't make sense to me and I thought I wouldn't be able to explain it if that was the case, but it... Yeah, I still can't explain it now. It's something no, to do fine. with um, okay. kind of test and filming cars, but I don't know if he pressed the wrong thing down or what. Okay. Um always a good one. How many times do you think the word fuck is said in this film? Not a clue. Give me a guess. 164. 326. Tenth in the all-time profanity list. Yeah, I did feel like I was way under, but (laughs) I wasn't too sure. (laughs) This, This made me laugh as well. So, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Peña were given taser electroshocks as part of their research as it's required in police training. 
contrary to rumours that the entire cast was test uh, that the entire cast was tased, Anna Kendrick claims to have abstained. She said she didn't really think any of the actors should have agreed to it either, and didn't really get what the point was. A, like a team bonding thing? What? Trust exercise? Supposedly, as part of your police training, this is just part of the job. You have to be tased at some point. And Anna Kendrick was like, well, I'm not trying to be a police officer, so I'm not a police no, officer I'm, in the film. You're not I'm tasing me. I'm trying to do Pitch Perfect 3. Yeah. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of get it from the main two. The idea that the cast are just lining up like, go on, tase me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know who's after that. So once those two do it, it's a bit, it becomes a bit of a pride yeah. thing. It? <laughs> um, when Brian and Mike stop at the liquor store and stick their heads inside the refrigerators to cool down, this is actually a very common tactic done by a lot of police officers in hot and humid areas. In fact, the bulletproof vest will actually stick and cause burns to the skin from the amount of moisture that gets between the vest and the skin. A lot of police officers now have a small duct or hose that they attach to one of the AC vents inside their police vehicles and then stick down their shirt or their drive-in to cool. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Those bulletproof vests don't play. I know they do it to disguise it, whether someone's wearing a vest or someone doesn't try to shoot you in the face, but, yeah. <laughs> don't know, maybe stick on the outside, um, little t-shirt in between, I don't really know, because I said just skin and vest, Yeah, little t-shirt or something. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, in the original draft, both Taylor and Zavala die at the end, but David Ayer thought it would be too much for the audience to handle. Awesome. I know this is a dark film, but they're both just kind of slept. <laughs> well, you briefly do think that's happened, don't you? You do, yeah. But there is, like, even though when he's absolutely he's just banged up and in the worst shape possible at the funeral, at least, ah, big one got away. We sad for Michael Pena, but at least one of them survived. Imagine if it was just Gabby and Anna Kendrick, just at, yeah. just at both funerals, like a little split screen of her at one and then the other at the other. Like, Fucking hell. If I can take you back to around this time... You that had, would be I think, Everest levels of sad. Yeah. Well, the final Twilight film was coming out around this time. And if you recall, there was the whole uh, Team Jacob, Team Edward thing for uh, fans of the film. If you were to go full end-of-watch fandom and you had to kind of get behind, pardon the pun, one of these two, who who would you who would you be rooting for? Uh, Michael Pena. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a Jake Gyllenhaal guy. There is one scene and one scene. It's when he fights, when he fights Mr. Trey. From that point, I'm all in on it. <laughs> and he hands him the cuffs and says, "Put them on." <laughs> <laughs> fully does him in his own. Fully does him in his own house. Just, just absolutely batters him. So yeah, there's the cuffs. Put them on. At, at the end of that, where the guy's like, "Look, you're you're a solid guy, man. I'm going to do you a favour." The Mexican yeah. cartel want to murder you. I'm just doing you a favour. Like, it's the most low-key thing. Like, they level out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, for being, I'm sorry for being incredibly racist no more than 10 minutes ago. <laughs> now you've beat my ass. Yeah, just, you know, uh, cartel. Whoo, they're on you. The first yeah. thing that really kind of got me watching this back was um, the start. The opening um, screen, it says, once upon a time, dot, dot, dot. And then you've got like a Jake Gyllenhaal kind of voiceover. It's almost like mm. something you would expect from a comedy. Yeah. Little do you know, 
you're about to have your heart ripped out at the end of this film. But it's, I mean, it starts dark with the shooting. Then they're obviously, they announce it as a clean shooting. The fact that everyone cheers. Bad look these days. <laughs> Just saying. It's a bad look. Um, and then you go for, and then it sort of, you've got like a little bit, of, a little bit of fun, like quite funny when they go to the first call. And then it just, it hits a few, doesn't re- ever really hit a high. With what you've just referenced there, um, I can the say, is there really a high in this film? There's a couple of like, nice, uh, uh, maybe there's like a couple of like, good moments. Scene with Anna Kendrick that is, and Jake Gyllenhaal. That is, that is lovely to be fair. The, the Kinsinger scene? Yeah. It's nice. But that's not like, when you compare it to what actually happens in this film, how like how good is the good compared to how bad is well, the bad? So this for David Ayer is supposed to be, I've done several bad cop films, I'm proving to you I can do a good cop film. There's still several yeah. points of this film is, that are somewhat Is that a film about good police officers and bad police officers, or is he well, saying... Well, I mean, he I was involved in Training Day... Um, there's oh, another okay. one he did, and this is just him basically trying to do the opposite. Like you've got two moral policemen. Yeah, these two are—they are just like stand-up guys. There's, there's the point where uh, the scene we just referenced, where they save the trainee cop who's just been battered by that bloke, and he's like, "Why didn't you shoot him? You had you had your perfect opportunity." And he's like, "I didn't feel like killing anyone today." And we're supposed to be like, "Well, yeah, big up." Didn't fancy kill anyone along and salute you. <laughs> today. Today is the word you got stuck on. Yeah. Like, some lad survives because it's a Wednesday. I don't know that actor's name, um, and I'm cautious to type too much when I've got kind of the mic connected to the laptop because whoever's listening will just hear the keyboard chattering. But the guy that plays the police chief in this, I swear every role he plays is kind of like, I'm a good guy with a bit of asshole in me. And that's literally the role that he does. David Harbour, right? No, not him. Um, he's the guy who gets the knife through the eye. I mean, the, yes, their boss. Is. Uh, say again. Their, their boss, he's in Warrior as well. Oh, um, hold on. The police captain? Yeah. Because Frank Grillo is randomly in this as well. Not randomly, but he is in Oh, well. Actually, just a police officer. Do you know what? Frank Grillo's who I was referring to. Oh, that's not their boss. That's a sergeant. You said their boss is the captain. in it briefly? Uh, well, he is, and also in a lot of he is in a lot of police films as well. Uh, Frank yeah, Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo, you love him. He does a he does a TV show where he goes around the world just inspecting different martial arts. He's in a great film that you like as well. The great... awful film. <laughs> he's um, in a lot of um. He's in like a couple of the purges. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's kind of a guy that. He's kind of that guy in every film he's in. Like mm. he's not really. It's, it could be the same person just moving across each, each different place. Yeah, I think he. Uh, no, no, he did get into acting earlier. I'll take it back, Frank. I was going to say he's quite famous for a couple of other things. Okay, we spoke last week about kind of the catchphrase you pick up from Goodfellas, and you could uh, bring into your vocabulary. And I have used uh, "what's right is right." in the past week, so I have uh, picked that up. Mm-hmm. Follow me into the house, dude. Oh, I like that in I'm, this. I like, you You know me, I'm a two-time felon, to justify <laughs> that you're trustworthy. 
That's that, that's that's my favourite by far. Look, y'all know me. I'm a two-time felon. I'm just saying, these guys. Yeah. That burning building scene is nuts. There's something about you. I mean, the films we've done, even just on this podcast, we've seen all kinds of danger scenarios from your James Bond style, like uh, exaggerated kind of gunfights to the really like claustrophobic ones. There's something about fire and water that make you feel almost as helpless as those involved. I don't know if it's the fact that you can somewhat relate to maybe you could be in that situation. Everyone's thought about drowning before. Usually people say that'd be like my worst way to die as if you've got a good choice in the matter. This burning one for a scene where you know they're going to survive is still so tense. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. A lot of that is out of shot though, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where it pays off. Like the, the found footage yeah. thing, we, we can even do this now if you want. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, sorry, say again. I don't know how you feel about the found footage in this. When it's at its best, I like it. Like when it's really fast paced, it's just an interesting way to shoot it rather than like long shots. The handheld yeah. stuff does work. The whole payoff is, and unless you've got a heart of stone, the ending where they're both dying is very emotional. Do you mm-hmm. think you get that level of attachment to them without the handheld footage stuff? Because that does really feel a lot more intimate. Like your yeah, intimate's a great word. Mm. Like your, your mates with them, like it's like they're. Uh, I actually down. think in I think in this film, particularly just because of what it is, I think you might actually get away with it. I think it's think great about in this. like take. I really like it, but I do think you could get away with it if it was just shot normally. Think about this film, the shit that happened. I think you'd still be shook. Yeah, it's such a prop, though, in this that they they use it really well, and it's you get far more like little jokes that can be made around it. I I struggle to see myself being as attached without it. No, I don't. I don't disagree. I'm not disagreeing with you. No. I do think, in terms of. Is it the be all and end all? No, I mean the story of this film, those two, the performances, I'd still be, I'd still definitely be dragged along with it. it. It's very impressive to be able to get that level of performance out of what they've got here because a large portion of the film is essentially flexing your muscles, like they're flexing but not flexing in this instance. Like the scenes of them just in the car. Just shit talk. You're not really having a but chance we, to be really dramatic. You're not having a chance but to we, be emotional. We spoke about this last week and what it does for the story, what it does for the characters. Yeah, even with Look. these, though, they're not even given like a big world to even be bouncing off. Like in 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 the realm of Goodfellas, there's a larger group of them to be bouncing off. That is far more exaggerated, even in the scenes where they can kind of get their licks off. In this, I don't, to be fully on board with him talking about his marriage to his sweetheart from before, and just them ribbing each other, and yet you mm. still do feel like they're they're two of your mates. Yeah. What do you think about Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, repeated Mexican accent in this? <laughs> Again, doesn't get it today. He just doesn't do that. It's so good. It's not even like, it's not even a horrendous Mexican accent, but he just doesn't get away with that today, I don't think. I don't, 
I'm trying well, to no, think of a way to word I, this I, here. I don't know if I'm being overly critical. Well, I don't think it's meant to be a great impression. It's supposed to be as if you were mocking It's supposed to be man. funny. Yeah. Yeah. But like, well, is it the most over-the-top impression of something you've ever heard in your life? No. In fairness, you did stop yourself before doing a Michael Pena impression less than less mm. than a month ago. Yeah. Is there maybe a form of jealousy that Jake Gyllenhaal got to let, let his go? Uh, I mean, if we were doing this pod ten years ago, I'd be, we'd be flying. <laughs> this would we probably be we'd probably be making money right now, and then they find old episodes and we'd suddenly <laughs> yeah. be banging in trouble. So, but we are sometimes lucky. We live in the world we live in. Um. Okay, so things really start to take a turn in this when they end up saving tens of people from a trafficking ring. Yeah. While in the same instance, finding out the cartel are now on their back. This is about as bad as it can get. Like They should be over the moon, the fact they've just saved all these people. I was putting myself yeah. in their shoes yesterday, and I genuinely don't think I could think of anything worse. Mainly for the fact that it's not even like they can face it head on. It's just, at some point, the cartel are going to clap you. Just mm-hmm. bear that in mind. <laughs> and no one's giving them any do, info. Do everything in my power to leave LA. Get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. I try and transfer to anywhere else in the country. But I, I don't care where. We, I'll go we to Nebraska and work in the minus 40 degree weather. Look at the Sarge here. Like, you've got to be protecting your troops. Yeah. They're out on the street putting at work and so I just sat in the office. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not really sure. I also think, don't really take the warning that they are given seriously enough. No. But in fairness, they do say they have, they've not seen any shit like this before. They didn't even know this kind of thing went on. And then the people yep. that do know this is going on aren't giving them any information at all. Yeah. He's saying he's throwing him a bone by saying the cartel won't let this lie. Mm. So they've done him filthy, really. Yeah, they don't do him a lot of favors. And if that wasn't bad enough, from this point onward, like every conversation between them is just so deep. Like that must be as exhausting as the job itself. Mm, Trying to have a nice night shift, and he's talking to you about what 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 wedding beans and. Proposing at the right time. Yeah, but like you have those conversations. If you're out, I assume no, 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 I'm not right guy. But if you're out there every day and you like, I mean, as this film goes to show, like it's literally lighting and lighting each other's arms, sort of thing. Or there are moments where it is going to be like that. after a while talking about the weather and talking about talking talking about the weather and what you had for tea last night is probably not going to cut it. Yeah, I thought. The inclusion of, and I keep saying Jake Gyllenhaal and Peña because I know that better than their names in the film. Um, the inclusion of Gyllenhaal and Anna Kendrick's relationship is just such a great way of showing time passing rather than it mm. feeling like every car trip is just a pathway back into the madness and it's every single night. Just the little yeah. things like them talking about a proposal to having proposed, to having the wedding, to then 
her being pregnant breaks it up so well and you don't have to put any cheese you like six months later yeah so I thought that was really yeah. good just watching it this time around it's such a contrast as well yeah <laughs> like it really is like when this when this song gets loud it's just it's it was killing me trying to control the volume mm. but like it's soft and it's it's soft and it's sweet and it's this and that and then yeah the real world ain't like the real world forum ain't ready ain't ready that there's a lot of foreshadowing in this as well like at the wedding Michael Pena keeps repeatedly saying I would lay down my life for you um mm. Jake never actually returns the favour there. Even when he's saying, I'd look after Snake. your wife, I'd look after your kids. Again, he doesn't return the favour there. Like, Michael yeah. Pena is that guy. Um, if I was a conversation and I say oh, someone, they don't return it, then my, <laughs> yeah. offer, my, offer, my offer is immediately <laughs> off the table. Like, oh, I look after your wife. Yeah, no, that presumes I'm going to be the one who's dying. Like, what, what, what do you want here? Well, if you don't return those sort of words, then we're done. The, the way this wedding's gone, he's been his best man. He's got the whole police force to say they back them from now on. He's got his wife to tell Anna Kendrick, look, anytime the big man wants a piece, you've got to back it up. Mm. He's, he's then telling Anna Kendrick, if she's then telling she's just passing out tips yeah, well, Pay attention to the gooch cupping and sucking, yeah. I believe she says. Um, yeah. All this, keep keeping him well taken care of, says... Yeah. I'll look after your family, and he's like, "Yep, cheers." Yeah, I know it's obviously like you say it's for foreshadowing, but on, if that's a real conversation, I mean, just just my wife handed out tips alone. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> if I'm paying you, if I'm paying you, I'm like, are you are you hearing this? Like, this is lay your life on the line stuff for me here. Like, my wife's putting work for you here, son. Like, help me out. I mean, she's pregnant not long after, so maybe she did listen. <laughs> yeah, well. No, that's too crude, too crude. Oh, matter of fact. Um, no, no, what I was going to say was too crude. We'll, <laughs> oh, leave, it. we'll, we'll leave it up for another day. I don't think I know of any other film that references the gooch, so that's a differentiator in itself. <laughs> um, I've got down here, I mean, it'd be, we do get quite dark from this is kind of I guess what's supposed to be his heart. Mm. Um, the Mexican chief gangster telling the thugs, you do this right, I'm taking you all to Vegas. Pretty good motivation. <laughs> yeah, fair. Also, why do they call you Big Evil? Because my evil's big. <laughs> what a great answer. If, big Evil also, what a name. Yeah, if you were a babysitter, do you think there's any chance you resort to the methods you see earlier in this film? Probably not. So, say Liverpool United are on in the Champions League semi-final, you're babysitting mm. these kids are causing a right racket. At the corner of your eye, you see some duct tape. You're like, not thinking under watch. I'm not, I'm not abducting, essentially abducting a child. I, did, I thought they were already in the house, it's their kids. No, no, I get it, but is that not I realize they don't move them, but feels a lot more criminal <laughs> than child than child abuse that, you know? Well, if, if Liverpool win that game, I think you pat yourself on the back and say, look, good move. I'm not sure about that, mate. Um, moving swiftly on, the scene with them dying, first of all, for for two policemen, 
you've been you've been led into a trap so badly there. You've got to be having a look at yourself. One of them's like a former like marine as well. Is the yeah. old point. But then he doesn't put our tactical work. In. I don't know. It's just it's just peak. Just watching this all unfold. <laughs> These poor blokes. The way Michael Pena... Well, actually, our body, our body slow. <laughs> when um, Jake's been shot and he says to him, is it bad? And he's like, I mean, I've seen people survive worse. Like, that, <laughs> like That's really supposed to make him feel better at the time. So, yeah. I've seen people survive worse. You're not completely out of luck. Yeah, it's... Uh... Fuck, I just think like that's so rough. I will say, as much as they want the help as well, I'm not sure if your partner's down and you can't move, screaming, where's the backup, can't be a great idea. No. So you might as well just put, put the back signal out. And just when he thinks his day's bad enough, he turns around to that gun in his back and he must just think, for fuck's sake. Imagine if they just did the gin and all voiceover, and at this point, <laughs> <laughs> as much as that would would have cracked me up, just a fucking still, I actually think I would have just turned the film off and been a bit that annoyed. Taylor not um, been able to deliver his eulogy. Mm. Yeah, rough. Like, fuck, it's it's actually just quite an horrible film. Well, I actually wrote down after watching this last night, like, can we? Just get alternative endings to film like this. Like I know we get the the bonus scenes and things on a DVD. Like mm. let's watch the film how it's intended the first time around. Second time around, like can I not just see and they but they both live happily after? Like what, yeah, if yeah. I want to rewatch the this? Is, the next scene is them at a barbecue. Yeah, exactly. They're both like, they're both a bit banged up. Gabby on the grill saying, "Boys, what do you want?" Just Beer give and us. These alternate copies, like we rewatch Everest, Doug's saying, Look, you've got to let me get to the top. And he says, Look, Doug, you've been a goddamn idiot here. You're not going to the top here. You're going to have us all killed. Get back down there now. Get back down there. I've got a kid on the way. I've got Kira Knightley on the phone. She's she's going to be in tears. I'm not dying on this mountain. Get down there now. Well, I see you've, you've gone for the heroic approach. I'd take Doug over. Doug saying, I've got to get to the top, and him just going, oh, son, you're on your own. <laughs> to, to show you how bleak Doug, I thought this Doug, was what's right night. is right. What's right <laughs> is right. I'm not buying on this mountain. I've what's written right down right. here, here. Um, last night, can we get alternative endings for films like this and The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? I've put them in the same bracket last night. You're making a very brave argument if you want to say this is sadder than The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. This is what I'm saying. At the at the point last night, I thought me and Michael Pena had bonded during this film. Like, I thought we were boys. Next thing I know, he's been capped. He's been capped in the back. And I think I'm not sure you get a happy ending for Boy in a Striped Pajamas, which is which is why I took it out of my notes, but I had it in my phone. Um, Everest, this. Give us some I, I'd, I'd make the argument that this is sadder than Everest. Sean claims it is. I, I'd agree, but yeah, strangely, this makes no sense whatsoever given all of my thoughts on Everest. I would watch this again first. The, 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 the worst thing with Everest is it's dragged out. Like, yeah. You've got them calls back home. 
you've got the tears on the mountain. Actually, got... no, I do. No, I was going to say I do. I do actually know I'd watch this again because yes, the ending is devastatingly sad, but the rest of this is actually just yeah, a real. really good watch. Like, was every like I said that first album, <laughs> niche, absolute niche. What's going on? And then the last forty-five, geez, it drops like I imagine one side of Everest actually does. The situation in this, you, there are things they could have done differently, but you can't really blame them for the situation they're in. We we aren't coming I mean, out here and the cursing them like you. you're cursing Doug. Well, no, once once the cartel are on you, yeah, your moves are a bit limited. I I imagine, sorry, for touch wood, but for the record, a Mexican car, a Mexican or any other yeah. cartel has never wanted me dead. <laughs> as far as you know. Yes, but these are two police officers with guns and one of them's got military training and they've both got tactical yeah. training. I'm a fat, slow, 26-year-old male. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not outrunning or outgunning, <laughs> let alone, let alone a Mexican cartel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to outrun or outgun the Girl Scouts. So, have you seen A Quiet Place, the film? No. Do you know the premise? Yeah, don't talk or you die. Yeah, basically, like, the second you make a noise, like, some monster is just going to, like, hurtle into you, basically, and eat you alive. Yeah. So, Sean recently watched the second one. A bit scary for him, considering he won't watch Halloween, but, you know. Um, and he said, you know, if I'm in that situation, I'd probably just give myself up. Like, the years of torment and just nerves aren't worth it. Just let it take me. If the cartel's on you, do you think it's similar? Like, the stress, it's not worth it. Just say, like, <laughs> if you want me, just just do it now. Get out of the way with. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I often think it's about zombie films, you know, the stress of trying to Absolutely. get your hideout and all that. I also read, I was thinking about something the other day and someone made a really good point, the fact that before the world goes, in a zombie apocalypse, before the world goes to shit and you're killing people with homemade weapons and trying to survive hordes, you're probably going to die of starvation, all from drinking dirty water. So just don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, fair someone's point. like, yeah, it proves, I swear, it's completely true. It might, the water, water treatment plant shut down. You drink, you, you try and have a drink, you're dead. Anything else you want to say on this before we go on to our second film? Uh, no, not particularly, mate, you? No, I mean, we'll do the judging, so I'm sure something else will pop up then. Um, it did make me add uh, Hey Ma back to the top of my uh, Spotify-like songs, so something good oh. didn't come out of this. Strangely, it was um, it got added after the last time I watched this. Yeah, I know that same. for a fact. It came that, out that scene is genuinely lost. Well, it, it reminds me of Sean being in uni and the drive down to go out down there, Hey Ma. So brought back there, back when I would go out. So we are talking a long mm. time ago. Anyway, will we be seeing you out tomorrow? So Saturday, uh, sorry. Saturday, you're at the races. I'll be there. Unlikely, I'll be out after. Unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. But if you uh, would like uh, five guys after, then uh, I'm the man okay. to call. Okay, we'll talk about. Um, Dirty Harry. Then, so we've gone from 2012 to uh, 1971. When a madman calling himself the Scorpio Killer menaces the city. Tough as nails San Francisco Police Inspector Dirty Harry Callahan is assigned to track down and ferret out the crazed psychopath. Hell of a synopsis. Mm. What 
do you think the critics feel about this? No, they'll be sucking this off. <laughs> um, he's one of the coolest unethical cops around. <laughs> what a description. <laughs> Imagine that being yeah, a positive you love, description you love, of you today. You love a rogue cop back in that back in them days. Yeah, but imagine seeing that in the paper. One of the coolest unethical cops you would ever meet. Yeah, they love a maverick. Love a maverick. He's one of the down. coolest unethical cops around, sporting a mean hand cannon, an attitude of proportional size, and witty dialogue that consistently sizzles. Hand cannon no, no, is no. fire. Uh, hand cannon honestly sounds like he's wanking people off. <laughs> well, I won't continue that. I was going to say I'm never calling anything a gun ever again. Oh, I was going to say, if, you, if someone said I'm going for a hand cannon, <laughs> I'd be like, yes, boy. Who's telling you that and who, and who are you greeting with such positivity? <laughs> it's a lad I work with, just confirmed, basically only ever takes a day off when his missus has got, is at work. <laughs> Unless they don't go on holiday. What are you doing with your day off? Probably going to send Well, this is like um, that Wolf of Wall Street where we said, like, imagine, like, your work, someone does just say, like, look, I can't get through anything where that is. <laughs> you know, i got to go uh, pull your hand cannon. Yeah, I'm going to go for a quick hand cannon. I'll be like, oh, that's fine. Some of those guns at end of watch, by the way. Not me. I think if you put one of them in my hand, you you could lure me into the cartel. That AK with the jewels the on it, name, look. I'm like, yeah, look, look, look. this the look. pistols that always do it for me. I would, I would have a goatee in no time. I would be fully on board. You've got, you've got that fade already. Not a fade so much these days. It's just a blade all over. But like, no, I would be in the Sicario sequel. To be fair, you got a little bit of Mexican, Mexican look about you. Oh, I don't get much sunlight these days, so probably not so much. Mm. Um. What else have we got from the critics? A, a significant film ideologically, this right-wing revenge crimer catapulted Clint Eastwood to major stardom and launched a whole cycle of films about taking the law into your hands. Mm. An all-time great that keeps getting better with age, Andrew Robinson Scorpio gets my vote for the most loathsome movie villain ever. Full of wit, action and grit, Dirty Harry is a vigilante classic. Two. A high-style film with lowbrow appeal. A movie after which you may dislike yourself for liking it as much as you do. And finally, as tough as tough and taciturn. I've never heard that word before. Have you heard that word before? Yeah. Have I pronounced it right? Taciturn. As tough and taciturn as it is, no-nonsense... As tough and tactic as it's no nonsense hero, Dirty Harry delivers a deceptively layered message without sacrificing an ounce of its solid action impact. I hope the word means what I think it means. Oh, I'll take I'll your word for it without you even telling me. <laughs> no, it's fine, but I am make sure because I used not to ruin myself for my public speaking. I've fallen to pieces there. Um, oh, yeah, I thought it meant quiet. Well, I've got some trivia for you. Uh, oh. For lack of secretive, if you will. This film caused cool. controversy when it was released, sparking debate over issues ranging from police brutality to victims' rights and the nature of law enforcement. 
At the 44th Academy Awards, feminists protested outside the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, holding up banners which read messages such as, Dirty Harry is a rotten pig. It was a very innocent time. Your man Scorpio <laughs> is burying women alive and Dirty Harry's oh, the no, piggier. I, I meant as in that's um That's a great that, like, that that's the that that was the insult. Imagine what'll be written on that board today. Sean Shoot is a dirty rotten pig. Harsh, only. <laughs> oh, he's not here to defend himself. Exactly. His problem, I'm afraid. Um Serial killer Scorpio was loosely based on the Zodiac killer who used to taunt police and media with notes about his crimes, in one of which he threatened to hijack a school bus full of children, which we get in this film. The role of Harry Callahan was loosely based on real-life detective David Toshi, who was the chief investigator on the Zodiac case. Seems a lot different to uh, Mark Ruff, or is that would that be the De Niro... Uh, not De Niro. Um, save me here. Iron Man. Downey Jr. Would that be the Downey Jr. role in Zodiac? No, I've never seen it. Oh, well, you'll see it as part of this bracket. No, no. Um, Andrew Robinson created a backstory for Scorpio, which involved him being drafted into the Vietnam War and seeing unspeakable horrors. When he returned home to the United States, he found himself a figure of hate, and his war experiences, combined with the people's treatment of soldiers, caused him to go insane. That's very of the time, isn't it? Any villain's mm. motive is you don't know what I saw in Vietnam. You are now, man. Andrew Robinson was cast at the behest of Clint Eastwood, who'd seen him in a Broadway production of Fyodor Dostoevsky's *The Idiot*. Dostoevsky, sorry. Uh, Eastwood then convinced producer and director Don Siegel that Robinson had the right unnerving characteristics to make an effective score. You quite like things. Like yeah. That. Yeah, I do like that. So, especially when it works out. Yeah, this very nearly wasn't even uh, Clint Eastwood. So Universal Pictures originally had the rights to this film. They allowed their rights to lapse because they effectively thought it was too right-wing and people would hate the film. Warner Brothers then purchases the rights and they're hoping to cast Frank Sinatra. Sinatra was interested, however, he just broke his wrist while filming The uh, Manchurian Candidate and during the contract negotiations he found the handgun to be too heavy. Hell of a reason not to do a film. Um, additionally, his father had recently passed away, so he wanted to do some lighter material. Sinatra drops out. They're like, no worries. Okay, we've got plenty more people we can turn to. They go to Marlon Brando. A um, couple of discussions in-house, and they say, that's not going to work. They go from Marlon Brando to Steve McQueen. Turns it down. It doesn't want to do another cop movie. Says, no, not for me. They then go to Paul Newman, who says... I don't want to associate myself with this film. Far too yeah. Paul, Paul Newman, Newman, however, says, I'll throw you a bone here. Clint Eastwood's your man. Go to him. They give him an audition. Clint Eastwood gets cast. Gets another four films out of it. Yeah, I was going to say, which is funny, really, considering the ending of this. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that down as one of the most, like, I'd forgotten the ending of the film. And as soon as the water was there, I was like, he's going to dash his badge in the water. Mm. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Urich cited the character of Harry Callahan as being one of the biggest influences on their careers. 
Schwarzenegger said watching this movie inspired him to seek out action roles with wise-cracking heroes who were alluring to themselves. Yeah, it shows as well. <laughs> um, in 1972, a copycat crime took place in the state of Victoria, Australia, in which two men kidnapped a teacher and six pupils at gunpoint and demanded a one million ransom. The state government agreed to pay, but the children managed to escape and the kidnappers were eventually jailed. Uh, one of them was called Eastwood. Mm. Do you want to guess the body count of this film? No. You're going to give me a guess in Sean's absence? No. You know I'm shit at these things. Seven. We'll get Sean to do it. Eh? Seven. Four by the Scorpio killer, three by Harry, assuming the pair of armed robbers he shoots died. First of all, what did you think of the film? Um, I think it lost a little bit for me because I had been told so many times how amazing it was going to be. Okay. Like, this was pro. Like it was good. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It was like it was good. I did enjoy it. But I've been told like mine is 71. I've been told yeah. by everyone and then none that this was like one. Of, oh, you don't talk about films and then you're know, doing police films. I read Dirty Harry about 70 times. That's well, amazing. Look, you gotta watch it. Clint Eastwood. We always talk about the same scene as well. But yeah, none I think of that. I said but, on there before. The reason I was kind of made to watch it is my dad. Did a do you feel lucky punk impression to me? I looked blank faced mm. and he said, If you don't understand that, you gotta watch this. And then one of them where so I used to go around this for a couple of hours on a Saturday morning. Um and for the films that my brothers weren't allowed to watch, he had a DVD player put upstairs for essentially send me up there to watch something. Um mm. and it would be one of them where he'd keep popping in every like twenty minutes going, You're enjoying it? Oh, and then stand around and watch whatever scene was on. Did ruin that. Do you feel lucky, Punk seeing the first time because he came in and said the words alongside Clint Eastwood? But on we went. I did play it two or three times while watching it. This time, it's just a crazy scene. Yeah, it is. You are right. I took down a note from of the plot from uh, Wikipedia when I was reading it earlier, just because it might be one of the coolest sentences you can. Um, during his lunch break, Callahan falls yeah. a bank robbery. <laughs> I know. I did think I did. Uh, I did see that as well. Actually, I looked at it. Uh, I looked caps free people friends. The other. Uh, I looked at it because I was thinking about the other films because I was working. Out, I'm pretty sure one's there's a prequel and then there's a couple of sequels or there's two prequels and there's bloody bloody. It's a weird timeline sort of thing. I think. Not even seen them. I imagine we would talk about these in the same way that you would talk about maybe like a Fast and Furious where it's like you know what you're getting before you go in if mm. you like the first one you're going to like the other ones like if you dislike it there's no point even being critical of the other ones because you should have known before I fair and I've not seen them that's just my assumption of how I feel about no them. no but it makes like, it makes, makes sense well my dad messaged me saying I'll mm. probably give them a go at some point at least the second one I don't know if I'll rush to them. No, no. Do you know if he says the catchphrase in the other films or not? I have no idea. I feel like they should carry that across, but I feel like I'd have heard if they did. Hmm. I wrote down my notes here when I started watching it. Um, I started and wrote nice, tense sniper scene to start, and I was going to have this big comparison to Saving Private Ryan and other scenes. I mean, it's just not like he literally gets the person in his sights, 
and shoots them. Mm-hmm. Completely ruins it. Completely ruins all kind of film standards where you're supposed to tease us whether you're going to get the shot or not. Maybe you look up and see some wind. Maybe someone walks in front of the person you're trying to shoot. No. He shoots her straight through the shoulder. She has a big breath in. Flops over. Dead. But, well, I mean, that's... I don't know. I don't mind that though. No, no. It caught me off guard and it does show I guess it's supposed to be this guy doesn't even have a second thought. He just shoots people. He, he doesn't care about anything. He just wants to kill people. Yeah. Which is essentially what it, what, it, what it is, isn't it? <laughs> the main thing I remembered about this film other than the uh, do you feel lucky scene is uh, Dear Harry being caught out as a peeping Tom and his mm. uh, sidekick saying, I guess I know why they call you Dear Harry. <laughs> Sensational. <laughs> I forget what the quote is. They describe the woman. I'm sure they call her like Fit Amy or something like that. And they say he was peeking in on Fit Amy. With their website in the window. Oh, I don't know, mate. I can't think of the top of my head. Your man putting in that, putting in that work. Uh, it's fucking creepy, mate. <laughs> Was it? He brings home like a little like, hat or something. Next thing you know, <laughs> he's he's just whipping her dress up and going in. Yeah, big cleanse first, mate. <laughs> How do you even think you'd react if you were walking down the street and saw someone sitting in a barrel just peeking in someone's window? Like, I don't even know. I'll be honest, I'll probably mind my business. <laughs> does, this concern, does this concern me today? No, it does not. I'm laughing at the of you seeing this. I'm picturing the whole scenario. I can imagine you um, kind of looking around, seeing if anyone else has noted this, shaking your head briefly, looking mm. at the floor, and just carrying on your way. Yeah. Look, I'm on my business. Does this concern me today? No. You wouldn't be a vigilante like these boys, then? No. Um, I want to get my ass handed to me, but I'm fucking give you. Spends his time standing on barrels. His, his sidekick is saying you could have had them uh, assaulting a police officer. How the hell are they supposed to assume that's a police officer? They just see some creepy bloke peeking in someone's window. Well, fit yeah. aim is getting a piece of the week. Mm-hmm. And then they're supposed to go, yeah, I, oh, I just assume he's a police officer, I won't do anything. Yeah, he's, he's a cop of letting be. I'm sure you're not. Do you think uh, the whole maybe. thing of him not wanting any action to be taken is the fact that he's supposed to be a vigilante himself? Most likely. And without that, he's embarrassed. Yeah, he's just from a fucking scene to... Maybe. But I do think you you would probably lean to more. So, right, just, you'd be annoyed that they're beating the shit out of you, but when you... Yeah, wait a little before you're doing something wrong. If you're if you're about that as well, then you've got to say that fair enough. What did you think about Scorpio as a villain? Because I'd read the critics' reviews before I rewatched it. I wasn't going to see any spoilers. I'd seen the film before. And so he's no Hank. He's no Hank Scorpio, is he? What film's that? In? No, it's from The Simpsons. Oh, doesn't ring a bell to me. I was going to say oh. once I've seen the review saying he's one of the best villains of all time. Obviously. You stand up and pay attention. I don't think. Do you agree with that? that? No, but I'm going to ask you what you thought about him as a villain. Yeah, 
Fair. Um, they're obviously they're in the important scenes. They're quite they're quite good together. The scene of him in that red ballet when he's giving his uh, kind of villain speech to mm. uh, Harry, where he's saying that I was never going to let her, let her go. I just wanted to tell you personally that she was going to die. He's got the wanting big... to tell you personally, I do like. Yeah, he's got. He's, He's got big, like, blue eyes beaming through that ballet. He says everything like he's kind of on edge, like he's so excited to be getting the words out. I thought I thought he was very good. At the start, because I couldn't remember too much, I thought he was going to be just the silent one, like you were just going to see him pop up, and that was going to be the whole thing of why he thought he was a good villain. Like, he just does yeah. his work and goes about his business. But no, I thought he was very good. I didn't think he was too cheesy. I thought he just was a maniac, basically. Yeah, very fair. Well, he lumps that kid for not singing Old MacDonald. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird, there's some weird dynamics in this film, mate. Look. I, I think it created some interesting discussions. I imagine certainly at the time in. Yeah. He says about how he stops the guy who was a rapist, and the guy says to him, yeah. doesn't he? How do you know he's a rapist? And he says, if I see a guy chasing a woman. Uh, with a hard one, a dagger in his hand, I think we can assume. Yeah, He's not out collecting for Red Cross. Um, yeah. Dark subject matter. Great quote. Yeah, even with the thing of he effectively caught the bad guy, he didn't follow the plot, but he had the guy, other than saying, look, you didn't follow the protocols, I'm going to try and worry about it, which is still rash when the police people I get their whole... <laughs> We might not be able to do it, but to kind of say, look, you messed this up, now live with it. We're letting him back out on the street as if they're punishing him. Yeah, but, I mean, well, it's funny, isn't it? They talk about, like, they, like the protests and stuff about the police. There's a big moment that the police force as a whole yeah. should to do the right thing, but have the chance to, to, to lock this bloke up. He's there, like, yeah, this, like, this is him. They let him go because of the way the sniper was obtained. I don't yeah. know what ballistics were like in 1971, like. <laughs> I don't know if they match, I don't know if they can match, if they could match it. It's fifty it's fifty year ago now, so I don't actually know the answer. If you contrast this to end of watch, you know, saying, Look, you had the shot, why didn't you shoot him? And they're saying, Look, you did have the bad guy, but you didn't follow the rules. Hmm. I assume yeah, you'd like to that shows a, a strange deep regression, doesn't it? I'm not you and I again probably not the people to have the conversation about the police in America. The fact that this film prompted copycat killers, should that be held against the film? No. I don't think so either, but that is one of the criticisms for it. They say that they created a kind of a plotline and a killer that could be easily replicated. I mean, surely any killer. You would, Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just telling you. Unless, it's, unless it's intricate and they essentially wild methods of torture that you might not have the equipment or the ability, the physical capacity to to carry out. But, I mean, again, I've never shot a sniper rifle. I assume at a certain distance <laughs> it becomes far more difficult. But uh, Even the know. fact with this is they're quite open with the fact that this is a copycat of a copycat killer. Like, this is essentially meant to be the Zodiac killer, right down to calling yeah, yeah. himself Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, a very exactly. strange stance to take. What did I? I was watching something the other night. Actually, there's a TV program for an hour whilst I was the whilst I was just sort of going to bed, and it was actually a similar thing. It was a police show, and 
someone had co- copied a murder from a book and I was like, it's my fault. But they say it about taxi driving stuff. Did did the film inspire, oh, I can never remember the man's name, to one who tried to shoot Ronald Reagan. Oh, um, it's not to kill a mockingbird. It's, it, there's the South Park episode. No, about Taxi it. Driver's the film. Oh, sorry, I thought you were on about the book that inspired him to the assassination on John Lennon. That was, that, that was, uh, oh, Catherine Arroyo. My head. Yes, and what's his name? How are we both, we should both know her. Well, I'm associating with a South Park episode, so that probably tells you a lot. Oh, it's a mate of mine who absolutely adores John Lennon. He'll hate me. I've forgotten. <laughs> about to say, he really admires the assassin. Oh no, this is going to piss me off. I, want, I, I know who I keep wanting to say, but it's just because there's him. the film name, isn't it, where they quote the guy's name and it says, "And the coward, Mark David, Mark, Mark David, David Chapman. Chapman." The guy you're thinking of is the coward, uh, Robert Ford. Oh, so I've completely mixed up. Unless. I've always thought that was the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert yes, Ford. Yes, yes, it is, yeah. yeah I wanted to say Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald, but that was the guy who allegedly shot Canada. Yeah. Was your mic rocking then, or were you cracking up? No, I was cracking up. It sounded like you were laughing about Kennedy getting iced. I was laughing about the allegedly part of it, but just the wild theories about it. There's, and I've mentioned it on here before, I think, there was a great little mini-series called, like, Nine... Something eleven twenty three, with James Franco going back in time to save Kennedy. Yeah, I didn't it was like eight watch episodes that. long, but I loved it. I didn't watch that. No, I've I got it on the old Netflix equivalent of uh, where they post you the discs. Really Total good. film. Um, no, it was through Amazon um, Amazon Prime at the time, actually. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I can't think what it was called. Anyway, no, I don't know. Oh, Love Film was actually what I was thinking. I'm not talking about yeah, that, that is, magazine. Yeah, that was it. But it was an association with um, Amazon. Oh, nice. In the situation of the guy who gets the first, uh, I know what you're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? He says at the end, I got to know. Do you think you'd have to know in that situation? No. Let's call it six. We go about our day. <laughs> yeah. What's a bullet between mates? Blow your head clean. Yeah, no, no. Let's call it six. Let's let's say it's six. Yep. Always round up. The payphones around the city. Inspiration for Die Hard Three? Do you think? Maybe. Maybe. Because I can imagine, and maybe I'm giving us too much credit. If we watch this film in 1971, maybe there's a part of us that sees that concept and is like, you know, you could make a great film out of that. Like that being the initial thing, and you can probably have that. Um, I'd like to think we could do it if we really put our heads together. Well, even I don't think we watch come, that. I, I don't think I, we I find it hard to imagine three. someone didn't watch that and think that is a good premise. I mean, it's sort of just phone booth definitely has just done a bit there. Yeah. Can they even take the fucking sniper rifle out of it? Yeah. Question down to ask. Ah, so I wrote down. The end scene is great. Him looking and seeing him on the top of the uh, bridge and just being like, oh, this guy. When Scorpio grabs the kid yeah. and he shoots him through the shoulder, that reminded me, do you remember the bonus mission on COD 4? The Mal High Club yeah. one? That yeah. just reminded me of the end of that. I used to love doing that. See how quickly yeah. you could do it. 
And it just makes me think of that whenever I see a hostage situation where they take the shot. If you could complete on veteran without dying, you were the boy, really. Yeah, I wasn't the boy. (laughs) No, no, nor was I. I definitely was not. But yeah, so I have some steady hands. Yeah, I really, uh, I really like the end of it. It's um, aside from maybe the the cliche chucking of uh, the badge. The badge. But I suppose in 1971, was it a cliche? I don't. It is. He's a cool kind of guy. He's like, look, I can't stand between these rules. I'm, I'm too much of a badass. Play by my own rules. Yeah, I, I don't know. In '71, I wonder if it was a cliche at that point. If this film, we are, like I say, we're 50 years removed from it. Yeah, if this is done now, they definitely have him in some aviator shades. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure, I another point for us to make before we continue. The noise. Scorpio makes when he gets stabbed in the leg. I've never heard anything like it. It's the squeal of all squeals. I was going to say, it's just an absolute squeal, isn't it? And for a mastermind criminal, going straight to the hospital that night after a policeman's just shanked you in the leg. Yeah, I, there's that, some poor decision making. Paying Gives someone real $200 well. to beat the fuck out of you is also bold. <laughs> Um, it, also, so given, given an actual, well. given an actual address. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know I mean, if I'm going to the hospital and I've just done that, I give a fault. I give give something, maybe a different address, maybe just maybe somewhere else. How bad is that Copium. doctor, by the way? Because he tells him, like, uh, look, there's a young girl whose life's at stake here, and he's like, mm, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure he told me what he did. With just no urgency at all. No. Like, look, look, I just stabbed someone in. I just stabbed someone in the leg. Any chance you've had anyone that's been stabbed in the leg to that? Just like I don't, don't care if it's right or wrong. Tell me who they are. You right, you've had three. Right, okay. Why don't we kick fuck out of their door? All three. <laughs> well, they're trying to save a life, and there's that uh, woman with like her dad or a bloke also in the hospital. Just pestering him while well, on the same timeline like, can you give him some help please but there's a woman's life at stake here get a grip some paracetamol yeah <laughs> little lemsip you'll be alright <laughs> alright shall we uh, do the judging yeah bring us up probably a good time to say we had a few technical difficulties before this so either the issue was on Keenan's end, and this is going to sound nice and crispy clear. <laughs> All the issues on my end, and this is going to sound very hard to listen to. So, hopefully, we're all going to come out on there. We're going to come out on the right end. Waiting one one hour and nine as a disclaimer. Bold. Well, it's happened quite frequently recently <laughs> where we've done them and finished a two and a half hour pod with Harper and TK, and some echo appeared on there that wasn't there for any of the 19 tests that we did so I'm getting a bit used to it we've hopefully we've got some patient listeners yeah well they listen to me and you are those that <laughs> listen every week listen to me and you are fun, so we must have some patience alright I'll ask you first Keenan which of the two films did you prefer end of what uh, which film did you think was more rewatchable end of what it's Dirty Harry for me. I can't put myself through End of Watch too frequently. Fair. If you gave me a choice now which one do you want to stick on tonight, I'd be End of Watch. Yeah, I'd, if I, I might have to just turn it off for the last ten, and then I'd probably agree with you. Um, 
best moment slash scene? Um, gonna give it to I will give it to the Magnum scene in Dirty Eye. Yeah, first or second? First for me. I do like a film that calls back. With yeah, something fair. like that. I also do like a film that says the title in it. Yeah, yeah. Just it just reminds me of Family Guy. Time machine way. Yeah. yeah, you or Jack always mentioned that Family Guy thing, and I always mentioned the hot tub time machine. Uh, best quote. I mean, mine's the same as best scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I do love. I'm. I'm. You're normally. I'm a two time family. That was the first thing I. Genuinely, the first thing I thought of when I when I was about to put this film on. Um, MVP. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted to give that to Michael Pena, but it's can't split the boys. Good, you've been iced. Can't um, split the boys, surely. No. Best side character. Is it your sidekick from this? Is it uh, Michael Pena's wife? Is it Anna Kendrick? Is it the Sarge? It's Trey. <laughs> because you all know me. I'm a two-time felon. <laughs> I'm going uh, Michael Pena's wife. Fair. She is an absolute dime. That gooch work. <laughs> Got on my scorecard. Okay, I just one of these. Um, which of these do you think has more believability? That is a very, very good question. I lean towards Dirty Harry. I lean towards Underwatch. I will explain. Well, if I explain mine, you explain yours. Yeah, go on. Because you know from the jump, the big man's about it. And you, <laughs> you, you, you are led to believe serial killer on the loose. He's doing these things. Whereas I don't know how often cops are getting whipped out by, by the Mexican cartel and fight and fighting criminals and stuff. <laughs> Not like fighting them to arrest them, fighting them, and then fight. Yeah, no, it's all good. The the believability scale for me is quite literally the friendship between Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena within about ten minutes of the film starting and oh. I'd like to hope they're like it offset. I, I truly do believe that these two are boys. I'm convinced uh, Michael Pena is a great guy. Yeah, yeah. I I'd be properly gutted if he wasn't. I yeah, feel like Jake Gyllenhaal I'd be well. devastated. I'm not sure. No, I'm pretty sure he's a great guy. Michael Pena one of my boys I believe just, it's just a great lad. Great clip of uh Gyllenhaal singing uh, Sean Paul on uh, um, Best Soundtrack uh, End of Watch Originality I'm going to do it to Harry Okay And it's largely taking the word of the critics and things where they say this literally did kind of birth a genre of films so I take that Fair as enough. it must have been original at the time Fair uh, Bigger Impact Best Opening Scene End of watch. Uh, end of watch. Best ending. Flip coin. I'm going end of watch. It it is brutal, and I think that's part of it. Like I, I've flip watch, actually flip this. a coin as as yeah. two two endings of films go. They are actually both just superb. Yeah, mine is when I think of end of watch. I probably do think of the ending, so that's what's uh, overriding. That's for a me. fair point. Where I say this, but I'll let you sway me. 
Yeah, I'll go in the oh, water. So, okay, I'll take it down the draw. That's fine. I'll, uh, oh, I think I was wrong, Sean. Don't huh? push me for a choice. Yeah, no, I thought you'd... Yeah, there's there's no rules when it's just us two. Uh, <laughs> Sean's easily led astray, so I uh, kind of need to have some uh, guidelines in when he's on. Um, yeah, go, I'll push it trying to watch, because you are right. Um, and finally, chemistry. That's an easy one, that is end of watch. All that Harry and his uh, magnum. Yeah, the 2K are going well. But yeah, no, he's is end of watch. It's not even, like, it's the like the actual just relationships in the film are ridiculous. Um, so end of watch does go through. Probably wouldn't mention that to the countless people that have been telling you to, to watch it because... For me, when I talk about the podcast, that seems to be more insulting to people than not doing a film they like is telling them that you've done it and it lost. Um, no, so, no, fuck them. Um, no. But yeah, End of Watch does go through, so we will have to put ourselves through that torment again. Sean will have to join in for the torment next time because, yeah, he says the, the torment of this is worse than Everest 2. Um, next week, I'll put you on the spot here now. Do you want to do the Halloween special? Do you want to continue? What would be the bracket film? Uh, Sherlock Holmes against Knives Out. Uh, I would rather watch those two than watch Halloween. But if you would like to do a Halloween special, we most certainly can. I'm happy with you. Maybe we'll toss a coin on Or essentially, if it's going to be just us two, then we'll do... Uh, End of watch knives out if you were going to and uh, break down things. Okay. But that should just about do us for today. So, end of watch goes through to the next round. So, that'll be spoken about uh, more in the future. Dirty Harry, unfortunately, does go out on this occasion. But Obviously, wasn't lucky. What are you thinking, Keenan? Uh, does end of watch have six points or does it have four? It has six. Um, so thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We will be back next Friday. Adios.